Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so that we can learn how to make better products that our customers actually love and better contributions to our organization. And that helps you accelerate your career too. This episode is sponsored by the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. That's the RPM Experience. It is the fastest way for product VPs to help their product managers and everyone else that is contributing to products to increase their performance. It's not training, it's an experience. Go to productmasterynow.com RPM to see how it can help you. Now, three years ago, I was looking for a Wi-Fi camera I could put in our RV so I could check on our dog when we needed to leave her in the motorhome and be out and about. And the leading brand at the time was I think around $150. And I came across this off brand that was new to me. And I believe I paid $29 for this Wi-Fi camera at the time. And it worked great and it had these wonderful cloud features that I was expecting on top of it that I was not disappointed with. And more recently this year, I was looking for a robotic vacuum cleaner for our house. And the highly rated recognized brand was north of $800 for that vacuum. And I thought, oh, I'm just curious. I've heard a little bit about this other company that I bought the camera from doing more in in consumer home automation. What if they have a vacuum? And I went back and checked and sure enough, they did complete with a LiDAR system, which was important to me because I didn't want the vacuum to act as like an insect and kind of just randomly goes around your house, but actually scans the room and does things more intelligently. And I found one on a Cyber Monday deal for about 200 bucks. And I was just floored, right? The, I could get this technology and spend that much money. And to me, that's really differentiating on product as well as offering me more value because of the cost proposition here. And I'm curious how this product, how this company actually makes all this work and how they continue to innovate in the product space. So we're going to find out together because the VP of product for Wise is joining us. His name is Steve McIrvin, and we met a few years ago as we both have kids competing in Science Olympiad, champions of Science Olympiad now. And before joining Wise, Steve was over at Amazon. And for listeners, just as a reminder, as we go through this discussion, if there's anything that you hear that you want to go back to, we do take detailed written notes for you. We also put together a one-page action guide of any key insights that come up, so you can immediately put those into action. And you'll find those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 391. Steve, thanks for joining us. I'm so glad to be here, Chad. Thanks for being a customer of WISE. Absolutely. It's fun technology. And in the past, I've watched a f- you know one or two interviews from one of the founders, and I just find the company interesting. I bet it's challenging given what I suspect are the margins for this sort of work too. But let's get into kind of just from a product perspective, how things work. And I think a good place for us to start is about the strategy, right? Because I want to explore the innovation strategy a bit. But first, just the overall strategy, because I always expect if we're doing a good job, we should be aligning our innovation strategy to overall strategy. How does WISE compete? What makes it work? Well, we're really a community-driven company, and we have a group of just amazing, passionate users in our social media and forum communities. And they really help drive our roadmap and understand the problems that we need to solve. And then from there we go like one of two ways, really. If it's a brand new category for us, like the robot vacuum that you mentioned, or we just recently launched a fingerprint lock. We'd never had a fingerprint technology before. We rely heavily on external engineers and we help them understand the product requirements that we're seeing, the user needs, and then rely on their hardware or their sourcing or software expertise. And so that's more of a kind of a fast follower model strategically. But for our core smart home business, like the 
cameras that you mentioned earlier, or plugs and bulbs, we've really been investing a lot on internal innovation, especially artificial intelligence. So we've been really pushing the boundaries for what state of the art is in computer vision and machine learning. So like that camera that you mentioned you having, if you subscribe to the cloud plan, you'll get people detection and pets and packages. And we're even beta testing things like face recognition. So that little tiny $20, $30 camera can actually say, hey, is this a friendly face that should be at your door? Or is this someone I need to alert you about? Big picture for Wise, it is a home automation. Is that the right space to think about this, right? Yes. Home automation company. Community driven in the sense that the community. So, you know, anyone can go search on customers. Anyone can go join the online community here. You're sourcing some ideas about what should be next in terms of both new products as well as enhancements to existing products. Exactly. So if we have like a brand new space that we've never been in before and we see people that want that kind of solution, then we'll go out and try to find that solution or invent something. Or in the case of something that's we're already doing and they want kind of a feature enhancement to that, we'll invent it on our own. So a good recent example is imagine you have that wise cam and you're looking for a way to power it and you don't have a, a, an outlet right there. Maybe it's outdoor because it is an outdoor rated camera. And so we kind of came up with this amazing solution. One of the product managers on my team said, hey, I, I know that you have a light outdoors. And if we take that light socket bulb and take the bulb out, and put in an adapter there so it just screws into the light socket and you can still screw the light bulb into it but there's a usb port that we've inserted between that as kind of an interposer there and so what we ended up doing was taking that simple usb adapter for that light socket and adding bluetooth so that then you can network mul multiple units of that and so that's kind of a offshoot is a little bit of a, an adjacency that we had we needed we had these cameras and we had a lot of people looking for ways to power them they said hey i like the solution that you have but i want a way to keep it constantly powered and we said okay this is innovative we don't see anything like this on the market especially when you add in that ability to control multiple lights from the one camera you can link up to five of them together in a very low latency low power ble manner and that was just extending an existing capability. Exactly. Yeah. So it, that's the funnest kind of innovation, I think, is that you can quickly see a problem and then immediately come up with a kind of a novel solution. And you add value for much less investment than something new and continue yeah. to... So shout out to Chow on my team for coming up with that. I think <laughs> he's really going to be delighted that I mentioned that on here. Well done, Chow. You know, good <laughs> job extending the product and offering offering value to customers. Community-driven, important, looking for these opportunities. You mentioned the innovation model along the way, in part, is fast follower. So just yeah. to clarify that for listeners, the fast follower approach basically sees what is working in the marketplace. Exactly. You know, like in my introduction, it's like I found the leading brand, you know, Wi-Fi camera and went, gosh, do I really want to pay that much? Is there anything, do I have other options? And thought... Shoot, I, how can I lose trying not trying wise, you know, because of the price and it worked out great. And then I did the same thing again. So that approach is seeing what is working in the marketplace and then not just copying it, right? Because copycat brands tend to not survive time. There's no real differentiation and customers aren't inclined to go, you know, spend much time with them. But trying to offer some additional value because we have some other insights about the customers, which the community is helpful for that, for getting those insights. But then it sounded also like you are trying to develop some core capabilities 
that we might not consider as fast faller, especially in the AI visual recognition sort of area. Yeah, exactly. So one of the new service features that we've announced is called, it's called Wise Anything Recognition. And it basically says, hey, training a computer vision model is very hard and it usually requires a PhD or some sort of AI research team. What if we could take that very difficult problem of training a computer vision model and make it accessible to anyone? So Wise's tagline is to make great technology accessible. And so we think that universal recognition of a computer vision model is really great technology, but how do we make it accessible? So that was where this product we have called Wise Anything Recognition was born. It's basically saying, hey, if you have a use case where you want to watch and see if you're like my kids are always leaving the laundry in their washing machine. So if I can say, hey, this is what I can put the camera there and say, this is what the laundry machine looks like closed. And it's a front loader. So they're probably getting mildew and stinky in there. And this is what the laundry machine looks like open. And so that I can say, hey, I want to train the model to say, this is a closed laundry machine. This is an open laundry machine. And then I can use our existing rules engine to say, give me an alert or a trigger or flash a light or do something when I see that in an undesirable state. And there's probably a hundred different problems like that Mm -hmm. around your home where you want someone to just sit there and watch it all the time and you don't want to do it. But, you know, the machines don't get bored, right? The computer doesn't sit there and say, you know, I'm going to twiddle my thumbs. I'm going to go get distracted by something else. It's knowing to do its job the whole time. I'm pretty sure there's me and many other listeners to this thinking of ideas right now in our head. Yeah, absolutely. The hot water pot is boiling over on the stove. Wow, I, I could probably train this to be an alert for me, right? And all kinds of things come to mind. I was recently following up on some information on Adobe's Red Box I call it the red box. It's the kickbox, their program for teaching employees sure. to be innovators, right? And I call it the red box because it physically comes in a red box, but they call it the kickbox. And one of the examples was an employee who they needed a, a way to figure out that the clothes dryer was finished because it was in their basement and they could never hear it upstairs because they let employees just run with any innovation project that they can think of, right? Here's a really nice, easy solution for all kinds of times that you need some kind of remote sensing to, to be alerted. Yeah, it's kind of the anything sensor, omni sensor, everything. I would expect also that the people that are interested in playing with the model, right, the wise anything recognition, tend to be more the early adopters that like trying the new things. What have you seen from the community so far? We've had it in limited beta so far, but yeah, the results okay. have been and good. We see things like they have suggestions that will allow us to now then put those into the main model. So if people want something like a dog barking or a baby crying or just even people talking, we can now then put that and get enough data and people. The nice thing about being community driven is that we have a little button at the bottom of the playback screen on our app. So if you've probably seen this, when you watch a video, it says, Hey, would you like to submit the results? Would you like to submit this video to improve Wise's overall AI. And a lot of people submit those. And it really helps us because we get the training data that we need to make the entire program better for the whole community. Yeah. So really relying on the community nature here to help us improve existing product and know what directions to go in into the future too. Our CEO calls our community the the crown jewels. Like we need to protect them. I mean, and really be amazed at how much they contribute. All of us doing product work we're doing it to solve customers' needs, you know, create new value for them. And if we don't really understand what those needs are, if we don't understand the problems and how they view value, what do we go on? It becomes very challenging. 
companies try to get it done that way, but I, they really struggle. And that community is exceptionally valuable. Was that a core aspect of WISE from the beginning? Did that kind of evolve over time? How did that fit into the strategy of the company? It was a lot of people like you saying, hey, I don't want to spend $150, which it seems like a lot of money, even back when we started in 2017 for a camera. And we came out with this 1999 WISE Cam V1 or V2. And so we inadvertently developed this amazing, passionate community that says, hey, how can I help you? Uh, you know, I'm telling all my friends about it. So it went word of mouth viral. So the best kind of community, the really mm-hmm. passionate early adopters that just didn't want to pay a ridiculous price for a camera back then. Mm-hmm. And then we said, hey, what else would you use? You know, would you use a scale? Would you use a lock? Would you use a bulb or a plug? And so the reception to all those products has been very strong. And especially given that we're a camera company, the the camera launches every generation have been stronger and stronger, driven by these huge spikes initially when we tell our community members about them. So like our V3 camera that came out just over a year ago, it hasn't even been that long, but it had outdoor rating and color night vision. And it was such an instant bestseller because people were knowing how much they enjoyed their existing cameras and they saw these new capabilities with being able to see at night. And the first couple of images that came out of that and people would say, this is from the V2 and this is from the V3. And it was, sorry for the pun here, but it was literally night and day difference with that color night vision. Mm. And so that really helped accelerate that kind of social proof, we call it. Yeah, absolutely. So the, someone then at the organization recognized this community was an asset and made mechanisms apparently to feed the community in a sense, make that easier, get feedback from them and all that. Then I want to go down a different line of thinking for just a moment. On the community, how do you go about nurturing and responding to ideas? And what I'm thinking of is if we have a, certainly there's the external system like you do, and organizations can benefit from that. So that's a good thing to be aware of. And then some organizations have the internal idea management system where they're getting those ideas from employees. In both cases, if you just collect ideas and you don't do anything else, there's no feedback back to the people engaging, that they tend to stop engaging over time, right? Yes, exactly. How do you use this community then? To use the community, we have multiple different levels of people that engage with us. So we have several different groups in Facebook, for example, and several of them have people that volunteer to really help shepherd other folks in there. And so I meet with those volunteers at least monthly, I try to do it even more than that, but at least monthly, and we'll make sure to listen to their opinions and to really make them feel like wise employees. And in fact, they do a ton of work on wise's behalf. So they're just superstar employees. And so we always include them on our early betas. We include them on alphas if we can, like, hey, we know this product has a ton of huge problems, use it to your own risk. And they're extraordinarily diligent and faithful to give us the raw feedback and make it so much better. And they're the ones that are doing all the very complex things that not even our internal people are doing. So they're doing the Alexa routines and various different layers of smart assistants. And they have, you know, a hundred devices. So we have a product coming out very soon that will very much test the limits of what a Wi-Fi network and what a smart home can actually take. And so we're looking forward for people like that to stress test and make sure that Mm. all of our smart home works well together. The entire ecosystem is functioning. And as As we grow with new categories, it's especially more important because the complexity grows not just linearly, but really exponentially. So we're looking for people that have a ton of wise devices and a ton of 
devices from every manufacturer and see how well they work together. And there's folks that, that volunteer with us are extremely diligent about being able to do the regression testing and all the combinations and permutations that would be in a real world. So we can have that small group that is doing 10 times the amount of work. So we can say, okay, this will scale well to the larger customer base as a whole. So this really is a gold mine, right? It sure is. Some organizations, they want better insights from the customers. So they might set up a customer advisory board and maybe they pick their best customers, their most vocal customers, their biggest customers. They Somehow they put together this advisory board. Helpful. They're not co-creating to the extent that you're, you just described, right? These are people, you said you're pushing out your alpha testing to them, right? You're including them as employees of the company in that sense, right? that they're seeing the really early, early. I think we made our legal department a little nervous when we started sending out some of the 120 volt products or like, okay, this is not totally ready yet. It hasn't been, it hasn't been run through all the UL stuff yet. So yeah, we're very cautious about protecting those when we have this new hardware, but it's worked out really well. Yeah, that's great. Sometimes, you know, people look at Tesla and say, you know, why is Tesla valued so incredibly high? Well, one reason is they have that more than a decade of data on their cars and where they, you know, to help them with self-driving automation and other capabilities. And that data itself is really valuable. It's really you know, valuable. Absolutely. It's in that way, it's coming passively from their community, so to speak, from the customers, right? I wasn't aware that the, this was such a aspect of the organization and a really powerful capability to have this community in place. It's a great secret for us. It's a huge competitive advantage in my mind. And it really unpacks our vision of making great technology accessible to everyone. So there's a lot of words in there, but it's basically, hey, does this pass the bar of great? Like You all are customers. You've seen a lot of other products in the marketplace. Is this actually something you would want to buy? And then making it truly accessible to make it easy enough to use and affordable. So we have those two kind of accessible captures, both senses of that word of saying, can you physically give it to someone that's not a smart home techie and can they use it successfully? And then also, is it low price enough? Can you actually afford this to bring it into your home? So those two aspects of it. And so we heavily rely on our community to tell us, hey, this doesn't meet the bar. It's not great yet and it's not accessible yet. You need to try again. And so we've actually had some products that got to that beta testing phase recently and they said, sorry, try again. And we actually ended up killing some of those early products because it just didn't meet the quality bar that we're trying to go for. At the same time, you're using resources wisely, right? If a product is not ready to be launched, we're better off delaying or pulling it than actually going through the launch. Correct. Yeah. And even if we can get to the quality high enough, if the fit isn't there, if it's not right for this market at this time, and that's always the risk when you move beyond that fast follower phase into something more of leaning out and going out on a limb you don't know if you're if if, if that limb's going to bear your weight, right? So you may be out there all by yourself, and it may collapse. So it's always a risk, and we're getting more and more of those areas, and it's an exciting journey to be on. Some scale of experiments here. We're trying something new and seeing what we learn from that, and getting the community involved to help us learn more quickly. That's a valuable asset. Also helps keep your costs down as well. And in some sense, it's kind of like a Kickstarter internal Kickstarter platform, right? You have this opportunity to go to an audience that already likes wise products and interested in automation and see if they would be interested in this next thing and and get their help with it too. Okay. I would love to hear maybe some of the secrets that make this community aspect work. Anyone that is a direct wise competitor right now should not listen to the rest of this podcast. (laughs) But mechanically, how would, if you're going to help someone set up a community 
to get insights, to be part of the product work here and in a way kind of leading product and getting feedback. What are you doing? You said you're involved a little bit each day in this and tell us what's working for you. I'd say that you had a recent podcast guest that was talking about the ability to listen and how important that is Mm. for product managers and executives. And I think that's the number one skill that I can bring to that table is at my level, I'm not connected enough a lot of times with specific details. Like I'll sometimes have to honestly have to smile and nod and say, gosh, I've never used that feature that you're talking about and you're venting about right now, but I will listen and we'll take good notes and I will then try to go back and find out what we can do to make that experience better and not just give lip service to that, but actually say, Hey, we're implementing this. We're finding these root causes. We're saying this is where we need to improve to make that overall ecosystem and overall customer experience that much better. And so I think that listening skill is the biggest thing I can offer. And then also just being able to give kind of the secret insights. And so I've been probably oversharing the last few months about our roadmap because we have an exciting 2022 roadmap and I've been super open about, hey, this is the stuff that's coming. This is what we're excited about. This is why we think we're going to be able to leap ahead of some of these competitors. And so I think that insider knowledge has been really well received. Like they're very passionate about hearing that and they feel included in that kind of employee secret group to, to understand what we're doing out, you know, six months or even sometimes a year ahead of time. Some people just heard that and went, oh, we'd never disclose our internal roadmap, you know, what our plans are for the next year to an open community in a sense that, you know, anyone can join. Because surely there's going to be competitors in there too, right? How do you think through that? Great question. So it's not an open community at that level that we're sharing those. It's the people that have really proven themselves and are very much invested in the ecosystem and have proven that. But yeah, they, we do have, you know, non-disclosure agreements. We do have a high degree of trust in these folks and they've proven that, hey, they're in this for the long haul. And the amazing thing to me when I joined, you know, just a year ago, this community had already been going. So it was already really healthy and well spun up. And the first thing I noticed is that every member of the community volunteers and the leaders of the community refer to the products as our products Mm. and what can we do? And so it felt like they were already a part of WISE as a company. And that just really warmed my heart because, hey, we're on the same team. We're doing this together. We're trying to make this experience better for your fellow customers. And, you know, sometimes you can be at a cost, you can actually be a full-time employee of a company and you don't have attitude for years if you get burned out or, you know, I've seen that a lot at the various companies I've been in, but to see that in the community and to see that passion. And it's really heartening for me because it reignites, hey, this is the purpose. This is what brings the satisfaction to my job at WISE to say, hey, we're unleashing this technology out here and people are solving these problems with it. People are enjoying using it and they're getting a lot out of it. And so that's really encouraging for me. So I get a lot of satisfaction and a lot of help in my attitude from talking with those customers. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's just, it's kind of a movement to be a part of in that sense. Absolutely. If I was in that community, there's inherent awards, inherent rewards. I get to see new technology. I might participate part of uh, uh, this extended alpha experience or beta testing, which might be personally interesting to me. I have some input about maybe some problems I am trying to solve with home automation. And now I have someone that can help me figure that out that's interested in that. Are there any other tangible rewards that you have as part of this community? Well, being a hardware company, I think we kind of probably flood them, honestly, with both 
not only just the alpha and beta stuff, but the real hardware. So we, we did some exclusive little treats. One, one, for example, when we reached a certain sales marker on Amazon, and I can't even tell you what it was. And if I did, it'd probably be confidential, but we, uh, I, you won't be able to see this on the audio recording, but we have a little wise cam that is in a specific color. It's not the white or the black that you're used to seeing on the actual store. So we gave those out to all of our top volunteers and helpers. And it's just a little kind of thank you and just say, hey, we really appreciate what you're doing. And we had a specific event just coming up this last February where we had things kind of go sideways and we were probably under way underprepared actually. And we actually sent out a lot of thank you notes and a lot of gift card type just care packages, if you will, to some of the people that really helped us. And because they had known it was coming and they had actually probably made it a lot better because they'd already given pre-input. But then there was still just a ton of questions and comments and stuff that we didn't anticipate. And so kind of slash apologizing slash rewarding after the fact to the people that helped us work through that, I think was something that I felt personally we needed to do. And my community managers really championed that and helped do that as well. Props out to all those folks that, that work with our community on the wise side all day as they really championed the amount of investment and the congratulations and the not just remuneration, but just thanks and gratitude for the team. All those are really helpful. I think having that special product that is exclusive is super valuable and probably coveted by the community, right? If I can get the product that I helped in some way contribute to, right, through testing, through ideas, whatever the case was, and mine comes in bright red that no one else has, right? The Only the people in this community had access to that. That's a very special thing. And you may have heard the interview I had with Ben Britton, the global director of innovation for Snap-on Tools. And they said when, you know, employees inside contribute to a new product, the way we, we reward them is we make a special Chrome version of the tool. You know, our oh, tools cool. do not come in Chrome, but... You know, th this is a coveted gift that you get to the special Chrome version of the tool. And I love that idea, right? So it's something that you can't get anywhere else. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for sh sharing some information about that. I have one other question about the, this exciting community. So the lead user approach, right, is you kind of find those more motivated people in your customer base. They have arguably deeper insights, right? So like if it's a software product, a lot of people say, well, you know, only about 20% at most of any software product actually gets used. But the lead users tend to go deeper. They tend to know it better. And that can be a really good source of insights for us. And sometimes it can also be a little bit misrepresentative of the market needs because they, they tend to be more of the outliers, right? And I'm curious in the community, because this sounds like a really motivated community, and I'm thinking that, well, is this a community of just all lead users? And it might be, and that might represent your market. I don't know, right? How do you deal with that, that kind of different level of people and their contributions and how close they are to everything and ones that are further away? And I can repeat that if that made no sense. <laughs> no, I think this is where my marketing background comes in, is I'll have to sometimes explain to the community leaders exactly why we made the decision. And I said, hey, look, this is a different market segment than what you guys are in. You all are the power users. You're the ones using 100% of the features of all this stuff. And if we came out with every feature that you requested, it would be too difficult. It would be too, well, it might be too costly, but it would be too overwhelming in the number of features. And so it wouldn't be accessible anymore. And so I have to keep reminding people, hey, we all want everything as a power user. We want to know that it's capable of it. Even if we never use it ourselves, we want to know it's there. Like we're tech gadget heads, 
But for the majority of users, they want it simplified. And so I'm thinking of one product in particular where we said, hey, this is, we're trying to reach the 70 or 80% of user needs. And there are products that are a lot more expensive and a lot uglier that will meet 100%. And so if you really are in that group, Wise won't meet your needs in this case, but we're doing it at the 80% level for, you know, 20 to 30% of the cost. And so mm-hmm. when I explain it that way, when I bring in the marketing and the fact that, you know, the company actually has to be able to have a addressable market and a sellable product at the end of the day, the light bulbs come on and they get it and they say, okay, uh, maybe give me a special firmware version that has access, more access to these features or something like that. So we usually say, hey, this is kind of some workarounds or these are the ways that you can hack it for your needs. But for the majority of users, it, we need to we need it to be a lot simpler and just work instead of being so configurable. Really good information. Uh, I, I don't know how your product people get up to speed. I have a sponsor ad to do here for a moment, and that's for the Rapid Product Mastery Experience, the RPM experience. And this is primarily for product teams. Actually, have had executives go through it, director level people go through it. But those people that are involved in pushing product forward. And ideally, wanting to perform together faster over time, do a better job creating products, responding to those revenue goals and meeting those revenue goals. And so we need higher performance out of our product teams. And the RPM experience is a way to accomplish that. It is a virtual experience where we meet for nine weeks once a week to improve the team's performance. And everyone comes away understanding that this baseline knowledge of information, sharing a, a, a language to help them work together faster. And very importantly, just collaborating better. They build trust along the way. They have a better appreciation for the customer out of this. And they can speed up dramatically after this experience because they're applying everything that they learn to their actual work. So if you're in that situation as a product manager or as a leader and you want to get more performance out of the product work that is going on, go to productmasterynow.com slash RPM. Steve, you've listened to the podcast. You know we like innovation quotes. What do you have for us and what does that one mean to you? So it's kind of a weird way I found this quote, but it stuck with me. And so I think probably 10 years ago when the movie Meet the Robinsons came out, I was looking for, you know, kind of clean, simple movies that I would enjoy as an adult, but also my kids could watch with me. And mm-hmm. I don't remember, I don't remember even the Meet the Robinsons coming to the theaters or anything like that. But when I watched it, I didn't know anything about it going in and it was completely blindsided by how much I enjoyed the movie. And it's a weird Disney movie because it's not very merchandisable. There's not many memorable characters, but the theme is super strong in it. And the theme is keep moving forward. It's about dealing with adversity. Mm. It's in a lot of ways, it's about innovation. The whole family is kind of this inventor mindset. And they just say, hey, persistence is everything. You just have to keep moving forward. And then at the very end of the movie, this black screen comes on before the credits and you see this quote appear. And the quote is, around here, however, we don't look backwards for very long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. And then about three seconds after that, the quotes author comes into view, Walt Disney. I mean, you can imagine the amount of obstacles Walt Disney had in figuring out like, hey, this is a cartoon, everybody. I've got to sell you on this idea of a cartoon. And then, hey, it's a feature length cartoon. And then hey, we've got a swamp in Florida. Let's make it into the happiest place on earth. Like how many obstacles he must have overcome. And so that keep moving forward quote is really important, I think, for any 
brand or degree of innovation is to never give up and never quit trying to make progress in a forward direction. Yeah, definitely important for product people, for innovators, because we get knocked down a lot. If our idea has any merit, there's going to be those that, that throw slings and arrows at it, right? We have to keep pushing forward and learn as we go. So I like that quote. Thank you for sharing it. My pleasure. How can people find out more about you know resources, more about WISE, more about work that you're involved in, anything that you want to share with us? For sure. So if you go to WISE.com, you'll see our e-commerce store and you'll see all the new stuff we launch. We just came out with a thing like an air purifier. So even if you're not a typical smart home or security person, everyone has a, a need for better air. We have a saying that our product manager for that category says you either have an air purifier or you are the air purifier. Right. So you're going to purify the air with your lungs if you don't have that. And there's something there for everyone. So I'm hoping that you'll be able to find that. And then, you know, look at our communities, go join a group on Facebook, check, check it out there, check out our forums and see what people are saying. See how our customer service agents interact in those forums, see how the users help each other. Just check it out. Steve, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being with us. You're welcome. Thanks, Chad. And listeners, if you do want that summary of everything we discussed, including that one page action guide, so you can put insights into action right now, certainly with some juicy bits about forming a community, you'll find those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 391. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.